0: Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.
1: This hour is brought to you by Vasectomy Clinics of Chicago. The Bernstein and Holmes show, midday's 10am till 2 on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Dan Bernstein,
2: Lawrence Holmes. It's very important that you remember this. It's lying season. Wabbit season! It ain't wabbit season. It's lying season. It could also be, hey, hey, Shefty, guess what? Our phone's ringing. Can you hear it? It's ringing off the hook, man. Can you like, look? Houston ringing. Texans, Indianapolis Colts, Las Vegas Raiders. They're all calling. You want to know why? Because they want the number one pick, man. Have you seen that tape on Anthony Richardson? Oh,
3: what did I tell you about that name? Well, what I tell you? He's a collection of traits. Yes. This is the love boat. Quarterback love boat is leaving Puerto Vallarta. <laughs> Love. I would trade Justin Fields and I'm going to draft Bryce Young. Exciting
1: and new. What I'm hearing out of Chicago is they're finna package him up, trade him for some other pieces, and then go with the Bryce kid from Alabama. Come I talked to somebody last week. He felt like their people liked Will Levins the best. We're expecting you.
0: I think you have to consider calling Atlanta Love. and saying, We'll give you Justin Fields. Give us your eighth pick. Life's sweetest reward.
2: I'd have to be absolutely blown away to make that type of decision. It
1: floats back to you. Be Bernstein and Holmes, your midday destination for Chicago Sports Talk. On Chicago Sports Radio, 670 the score.
3: Promise
1: is something for
3: you. Always good to hear from Jack Jones on a Tuesday in Chicago, Election Day. If you are a Chicagoan, make sure you get out and vote. If you haven't already. If you haven't already. And it's been record early voting turnout, which is great.
2: Like a quarter million votes have already been cast.
3: Yeah, it's usually the, the overall percentage for a mayoral election, usually not great. Yeah. Of people actually trying to have an effect on who's in charge
2: of their city. And there's like a bunch of aldermanic ones too. So you know. Mm-hmm. We'll see. We'll see if people got out the vote and if there's a runoff.
3: And there'll be runoff. There's, there's no, no, no question to be a runoff. runoff. But and then, Just
2: who will be the participants.
3: And then Super Fan Dan in charge of the local police council. Great. Is Murph on the ballot? Hey, and I don't live in Chicago. You know, too many of them. You know, <laughs> you
2: know,
0: cool no, breezes. No,
3: I, I like Paul Valas better, <laughs> more my type. <laughs> if you
2: get my drift,
3: <laughs> you know what I'm saying.
2: Check out who he's following <laughs> on his personal Facebook page. <laughs> well, Tucson yeah. used to be nice. Now it's like a, a border war down there. Yeah,
3: you know how that is. Good pull. Yeah, wow. That's a that good is. pull. So, I, I don't think that Ryan Poles did anything to change the old quarterback love boat. He's just letting it all happen and feels free to say some stuff. I thought it was the most interesting comment that I heard, other than him saying, oh, yeah, I, I, I you've been reading all that? You've been, you been seeing all that in the newspapers about that stuff? Yeah, I yeah, saw that report. I sure but did. I was,
2: totally saw that report before it was reported. <laughs> it was
3: him saying that there might be reason, there could be scenarios in which they move sooner rather than later, the presumption being to actually have bodies, to get players that would preclude draft picks or free agent signings.
2: Yes. I, I also thought that him talking about Justin Fields being their guy for right now, but clearly that's what their plan is, him being open in discussing it, I, I thought I, when we went into we're sitting there in our meeting room listening to it, and I thought I'll be a, a boring, here's a guy at the Combine press conference, and there was more to it than that. I thought he was more open than you've seen from his predecessors. Now, th- those predecessors didn't have the number one pick and basically control. like if, if you look at the way that this sets up for the Bears and Ryan Poles, When it comes to the money that he has to spend and having the asset that is the number one pick, he's kind of got control of a lot of things that are happening in the NFL. So why not be a little bit more open? But you have to keep in mind that it's
3: still lying season. And it's early, early, early in the game. Early. This is when he's just, this is the kind of the the rollout of the process. It's not anything we're close to last and best and final until we get much, much closer to the draft, unless he wants a bird in the hand. Unless there he knows there's going to be a deal out there. He doesn't want to drop too far. And if something presents itself where maybe there's going to be actual players involved, names of veteran players that he knows can become Bears, that could be awfully enticing. And now Mel Kiefer Jr., in his latest
2: mock draft, Dan, has the Bears trading down twice? Okay. Which I know someone else who did a mock draft a month ago who told you that that's on the board of things that they can do. And I'm okay with that too, because look at look, when you are are taking a real eval of the Bears roster, and you see how many holes have to be plugged, they need bodies. Like they, they, it's you got to upgrade all of the roster because of how bad a job Ryan Pace did with leaving you stuff. There's there wasn't a lot here. Now you may have ended up being gifted the franchise quarterback, which is great. It's a great place to start, but we could make an argument, a legitimate one, that the Bears need to replace. Every single person on the offensive line and every single person on the defensive line.
3: Go Bears! I want Jalen Carter. I want Jalen Carter. I want Jalen Carter. There was a scout. It might was Daniel Jeremiah. It was somebody. I was just... He had me drooling over this. I know Dane Brugler has him number watching, one. Watching the
2: tape and seeing how he affects a game and how... I mean, there are clips of him
3: beating triple teams. You know the word he used? I've never... Ever. Bowling heard. ball with knives. Nope. I've, oh. n- I've never heard this comp in a scouting report before. Okay. Teleport. Oh. He, That's a good word. He said he moves from gap to gap so fast it's like he's teleporting. Well, we got to see three and years of that. I just went, oh, 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 wow. We got to see three years of
2: that with Tommy Harris before – the injuries were too much. Yeah, more
3: more two years. Okay, two years. Two, two years of of that that next level stuff. And, and it wasn't just that, like his his timing of the snap, it 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 became guesswork later rather than timing. It was more just kind of he, he guessing. Yeah. But when he had it, it was like Jake Arrieta's slider cutter. It's like when he when he had the feel for that, it was magic. Watching him
2: discard a guard, and then that first step that Tommy Harris would make towards the quarterback. And then you, you'd look up, and he was on the quarterback. Jalen Carter, watching his tape, and his, his stats actually don't tell the story of how destructive of a player he was at Georgia. But when you see the way that offenses and offensive lines, protections were allocated... To trying to stop him, you understand. Now, yes, in the CFP, there were some questions about whether or not he was in shape, if he was in good cardiovascular shape. To his credit, he admitted in the semifinal that he wasn't, and that he then spent the the next two weeks getting himself prepared. Um, and I and I appreciate that. I appreciate him saying I wasn't doing what I needed to do. I saw that I wasn't doing what I needed to do, so I'm going to go do what I need to do. 773. Top
3: five is too high for Carter. He'd have to be Aaron Donald or Sap.
2: That's what we're talking about. By the way, Aaron Donald was drafted, what, 13th?
3: That, But that's what we're talking about here. Yeah. Like, understand. Why do you think we brought yes. up the
2: name Tommy Harris? Yeah,
3: that, Dane Brugler has him number one. He has it as the number one player in this draft. That's why top five, you know that that yes, that's exactly what we're talking about here. Yeah,
2: and if you saw him, if you saw him more than just the CFP, you know what we are talking about. It, I'm still like, look, there there are no wrong answers for the Bears. None, there are no wrong answers. If they want to trade with Houston and then trade with Indy and end up with the fourth pick and a whole bunch of other picks and then draft Jalen Carter, fine. If they want to draft Will Anderson, fine. If they want to go lower, they want to make a trade with Carolina and end up at nine with all extra picks and draft offensive line, fine. There are no wrong answers here because – of everything that's wrong with their team. The only wrong answer would be quarterback. Everything else is on the table for the Bears. This is a good tight end draft, for example. And uh, there's a projection of four tight ends going in the first round. They
3: mostly look like wide tight ends, though. Like the ones that we're seeing, You know, the Notre Dame kid is probably a better version of Komet. And then George has got... Six guys of varying sizes and speeds. And the one
2: you won isn't available. Right. The, the one you want is still mm-hmm. has to play another year of football or two. Yeah, another year of football and then he can come out.
3: No, but there's the, was it Washington, like the six, seven, 280 pound guy, like easy 280. Yeah. Like like lean. lean yeah. Lean 280. There's that. And then you've got your, your classic commit sort of upgrade kind of thing. It looks like the Bears are probably set at solid B-level wide tight end. Okay. But now if you want to find a move guy in there, you got that. You do need to find one, and you need help. You need better pass
2: catchers overall. So there's no wrong answers here except for quarterback for the Bears. And we'll see how all of this plays out and what they value. It it seems to me, and the people that we've talked to throughout this process, have have leaned heavily into if you're starting over and you're rebuilding a defense, yes, a player like Will Anderson would be nice, but if you've got the game wrecking three technique, go
3: get the three technique. That's where and I am. start there. I'll find an edge. I'll find there, there's edge guys every there's always Yeah, but they're not though. There, there ed- are,
2: but they're not.
3: I mean, I if you're telling me he's Micah Parsons. If Will Anderson is Micah Parsons... Will Anderson's pretty special. If he's Micah Parsons, then you, you've got some questions you got to ask, but that guy in the middle is, could I, be generational. I'm probably with you on
2: this, that you, you need the interior of your line to be built first, but I would
3: just say that don't sleep on the Will Anderson tape either. Well, we got a lot going on. I thought Ryan Poles presented himself with a little bit of a uh, little swag a little a, a little sense of of confidence and he projected himself as someone who knows the cards that he has right now i like that he he could have been sort of Bland and mealy mouthed, and and we're excited and all that stuff. And he he wasn't. He actually answered some of these questions and gave you some possible scenarios. Didn't take anything off the table, which and he should not. No, I, th- I thought I thought that was absolutely well handled. And we also have a bit of a, a crisis in Cubs world here because when a, when a major league outfielder, a slugger, is diagnosed with a moderate oblique strain. That's usually multiple weeks.
2: Yep, and there are some dominoes that have to fall. Uh, by the way, the lineup for today's game is out, and guess who's starting at third and leading off? That's got to be Slapnick. Yes, and he if, if the, the injury thing keeps happening, he might find himself in a position to be the Cubs' starting third baseman. Yeah. Now, the good news is Patrick Wisdom, who had a groin thing, is also in the lineup today as a DH. Here's another thing. You know how we haven't been doing the Trey Mancini thing? Right. We might have to do the Trey Mancini bit sooner rather than later because he might be your starting right
3: fielder. As of right now, he probably is, depending on how they want to deploy Christopher Morel. Right. So there's a there's a lot going on in Cubs camp.
2: I'm so glad the organ is back. I'm a fan of it. Where's the one that's like scary? Like
3: oh, that's my favorite one. That's that is Yes. We used to have the old spectrum in there. I think that's like like Jonathan Hood put it in in 1999 stuff from from Sixers games at the spectrum. I'm here for it.
2: I am here for it. So, yeah, there's a lot to discuss today. We'll bring you the Ryan Poles press conference at 11 o'clock and then you'll be able to hear if you missed it, if you missed out because Mully and Haw kind of got it in at the end of their show, but we'll run it back at 11 and we'll react to it. We got people that are at the Combine. Kalen Kaler is there. Our guy Groats is there. We're going to have a combine report from Mark Grody for the rest of the week because he's down there. So we might as well put him on the air and talk about things and whatnot. So we got a lot of show coming up, including us talking about the Cubs. And and you might be getting a whole bunch of Nick Madrigal. Yeah. Congratulations. Weehee. Back
0: after this on the score.
1: Bergstein and Holmes, Middays 10 to 2, on 670 The Score and 670thescore.com in Odyssey Station. There's some quirks going on out there with the well
3: and, yeah. the, and the way things change around. How how comfortable are you going to be?
1: I'm, I'm good with it. I'm, you know, very comfortable with it, and and Houston certainly had some quirks out there too, And and... Um, you know, Baltimore had a, an interesting wall and in right that I played on. So no, that that doesn't bother me at all. I'm I'm good to play anywhere.
3: That is Trey Mancini, and he may end up playing more of a role, perhaps than expected, with this injury to Seiya Suzuki. That make no mistake is a big deal. This is Trey Mancini
2: on the Bernstein and Home Show. That's right. Now, to be clear, that was not the Trey Mancini segment. Why not? Because it's not... You know. Because we have a different piece of sound that is specific to the Trey Mancini segment, which I think we're getting close to emergency break glass. Mm -hmm. We might have to actually do the Trey Mancini segment instead of it being a concept.
3: Right. You mean, for example, him talking about his experience hitting at Wrigley Field?
1: I'm definitely at my best when I'm sticking in the center of the field. And I think Wrigley is very well suited for that. You know, when I'm gap to gap, not trying to pull the ball too much, um, you know, and that's where I've got to live there. And and that's what I've really been trying to get back to, especially this offseason. Um, if there's anything that I was addressing, it's that. You know, um, you know, hitting the ball to right center with authority for whatever reason. I wasn't doing it last year um, and I was pulling the ball pretty decently, but that didn't coincide well with the wall in Baltimore. And I was on record a few times complaining about it. And, and you know, I'm sorry to, you know, Mike Elias and and, and Sig um, in, in Baltimore for doing that. But, yeah, I wasn't wasn't thrilled with the change, obviously, as a right handed hitter. But if you look at the year last year, it helped the pitching staff out a lot. You know, it was a big turnaround, and I think it helped the team a lot, too. You know, and especially since they have kind of a, a lefty lineup. Now I'd say it, it's suiting the team well, but yeah, as a right-handed hitter, it, it kind of crushed me.
2: So now we've done the Trey Mancini segment. Because he he could end up being more important with the injury to Seiya Suzuki. He's got a moderate oblique strain, and I do think that it's fair for a fan to wonder, was his offseason program to bulk up a reason why we're seeing him be injured? And one would think that if you've got an oblique strain, that you're not going to be available for a little while. He's already now out of the WBC for playing for Japan. And the question becomes: Is he going to be ready for opening day? He's got five weeks to get ready for opening
3: day. It should be enough time, but obliques are easily re-injured. There are always common setbacks when players are coming back because it's it's such an explosive muscle movement that's needed to just to. to spin that side of the body in to to get that kind of torque. There's all sorts of options here. Like I don't know why you'd default to madrigal. David Bodie's not on the 40 man roster, but he's a non-roster invitee. So you, you could go Morrell. Morell, you can go Bodie. There's a texture that suggests move Horner to third, play like madrigal that. at second. I don't either. I don't like Madrigal at second. Yeah. Let alone third. I, I don't like
2: I think Madrigal, and I know that some of the beat writers have been talking about it, and we'll talk with Jordan Bastian later on today about the concept of him. If you really do think that you have someone that has long-term projection as a major league player, then the best thing for him would to be playing third base in Iowa. But I like the choices of Morrell and the Boat Show over him. Now, Wisdom might be fine. He's in the lineup today, so it might not be a problem. You put Trey Mancini in right field. You have Patrick Wisdom playing third. There you go. Everything's fine. But Wisdom's health is something that you can also watch because he's dealing with a groin strain. And then there's the Justin Steele stuff. Like, the Cubs have got a lot of injuries so far. Significant injuries to players that matter in their camp. Luckily, it's early in camp. But I I don't think that you would look at it and say that this is this is not a good start. No, that the Cubs are off to. If you're projecting them out, what speak say the floor was 80 wins.
3: Well, that's there's no way the floor is 80 wins. You're not you're not starting essentially at 500. And, the floor
2: and... is 72, right. Right? right? About about that much. What's their overrun? Is there over under 73 and a half, something like that? It depends where you look. I think okay. But th- this is not a great way to start. And then they like the, the Talkman's name has been brought up as a right field candidate. But th- this is exactly why you brought Trey Mancini here, right? That they, they, he was going to be some
3: insurance for you at a couple different spots. FanDuel has the Cubs at 76 and a half. That's what I've got here. I just called that up, 76 and a half. Okay. So let's say the floor is 72. Okay, for them maybe not eighty, but the problem is if you were relying on Suzuki for twenty to twenty five home runs conservatively, it's replacing that. Yeah, I I, I, I was that, that that's that's the number I had in mind, a solid twenty three home run season depending on what ball we're using, because that still underpins everything. We have te- no idea what ball we're using. Texter, they're showcasing Madrigal for a possible trade. What to who? To wh- who's trading for, for him? what? What do you mean showcasing him? How- <laughs> who do you think he is? What is going on here?
2: Are are we finding out that Cubs fans either a don't have Sox fan friends or b have the worst Sox fan friends? I don't know. Like they have the Sox fan friends like, oh,
3: you, got you, me, Nick you, you
2: guys things got us good this game. time. You got us good. You got because this guy. Let me tell you something about him. He can really, really play. Oh, you, you got us. Or the, like they don't have any Sox fan friends. Are like guys? Look, this guy. Mm, he can't really play. And. That's the reason why the White Sox were willing to trade a number four overall pick because they made a huge mistake. (laughs) They
3: made made a terrible
2: decision in drafting a a one-tool player. And the one tool isn't particularly valuable. Right. Unless you can marry it with another tool, and he can't do that either. If you were telling me that he's the slappy guy that gets on base and then steals base and has
3: terrific instincts on the base paths and can really field and he doesn't run. have any right. of that stuff, right? Like I mean, the concept of it makes sense if you're doing something other than envisioning things that aren't actually there. Yeah, but whatever you know, ever floats your boat or your Bodie in this case, I can't, I'm shocked that David Bodie's still here because he signed a long term. Deal right, the boat show. Didn't they sign him to like? the could. It, it was. It was a multi-five year, fifteen million. Yeah, yeah. But but you know that's nothing, right? But for him, that was kind of cool to lock in some
2: is great. Is great for him and great for the team. Like he got a little bit of money, and they were like, "We kind of like you," and now you're a non non roster invitee.
3: Like, come on through. Yeah, he'd be a really good candidate for a big contract in the the KBL or in, in Japan. Don't put on the comes. boat show over there. Yeah, right. But n- now he's very
2: valuable depth for you. Depending on how all of this stuff plays out, when Seiya is available, how they will then go and deploy the, the outfield because Patrick Wisdom is a candidate to go out there and play right, which would mean you need someone to play third, and then you've got some choices to make. But to me, it's pretty easy. Like you put Trey Mancini out there until you like I I don't know why I would I wouldn't mess around with it. If if wisdom is good to go at third base,
3: then you do that instead of what are you laughing at? I'm laughing at when you said that do Cubs f- fans have White Sox fan friends who are the worst. Well, Bill on Capitol Hill says there's no such thing as a non-worst White Sox fan. (laughs) 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 He says all White Sox fans are, by definition, the worst. Okay. (laughs) Present company included, obviously.
2: Yeah. Uh, Yeah. It's just like, come
3: on, man. Good like, like, boy. What, what, what scouting report are you getting? I was thinking about the shift ban and what mm-hmm. role Christopher Morrell would play in right field. Say a left-handed hitter is up. You bring him up. You put Horner shaded towards the middle, morell towards the infield, filling the hole between first and second, and then in center it's Bellinger and Hap. They're covering the majority of the outfield at that point. I'm just thinking of ways that the Cubs can put out a a talented, you know, defensive roster.
2: I saw some stuff yesterday while I was watching games and it all kind of blends together because now MLB Network is kind of rerunning every game. So I'm not sure which game I was watching, but there was an overload shift that I saw that was kind of interesting where the second, there was a runner on first. So the, the first baseman was holding the runner and the second baseman had shifted all the way over into ideally where the first baseman's space
3: is. Okay. Left-handed hitter was up and hit the ball right to where the second baseman was. And then the shortstop was over just on the left side of the base? No, the, the, the shortstop was kind of playing it straight up. That's what I thought was interesting.
2: There was a, a gulf in between where the second baseman was had shifted to and second base. And I'm like, man, the scouting report on this guy is pinpoint. Like, they pitched him to ground that ball to second base and where the second base baseman had shifted. And I was like, huh, well, there's still some strategy and some data points
3: that you can use to to make things work for you. I was you. trying to think about this, too. Just outside-the-box thought that came from my brain picturing the field like I was playing in-television baseball. Is anybody who played on the old in-television system knew the entire right side of your infield was essentially fielded by your pitcher. That's true. Because of how quickly your pitcher could get. What if the market inefficiency is an incre- the incredible range of a of a fielding pitcher? What if like he can get you know, sort of back in like a zone well, defense and cut off that whole area? Well, the Cubs have one of
2: those, right, with Stroman. Strowman's one of those where he can field a
3: position and he can get out and move. But I and, really tell him like the moment that ball is out of your hand, you get off the mound and drop here and play this spot. Y- you're playing cover two, right? Right, like get you to get, your get to your landmark and then react to the ball. And obviously, you're pitching be like, "Come on, man, I'm i you know, I'm a pitcher. Leave, leave me alone. Do you want me to tear my groin? Right. You don't want me, you don't want me doing any of that. But like you like O'Neal Cruz. Like that guy. If you have someone who's who's like that, who's who's six seven and yeah. throwing ninety
2: seven miles an hour across the diamond. Yeah,
3: like big spidery guys, or like, do you, have you seen that the ambidextrous pitcher who was at yeah. Mississippi State? Yeah, and you're thinking like throwing
2: ninety six right handed and ninety two left handed or whatever the hell it
3: is. Yeah, but like big, and just like crazy athletic. I don't know. I'm just there, there's there's got to be something here we're not thinking of. And as we talk about the Cubs, you should know that our Cubs spring training talk on the score is sponsored by Sloan, official water efficiency partner of the Chicago Cubs. The Bulls are playing the Raptors tonight. The Bulls have road games tonight and tomorrow night. They're at Toronto and then at Detroit. And if I, I think my job right now is to accept that the Bulls have decided they're going to try to make some version of what they think the postseason is with this team to accomplish something. And if that's the case, they can't lose tonight. I think that is an important
2: distinction. I, I actually have written something that will be out in the Sun-Times tomorrow about how the play-in is just kind of the land of nothing. And yet, that's where the Bulls are trying to get to desperately. <laughs> they're
3: fighting to get to the land of nothing.
2: And I'm not sure what any of it means. But yes, if, if their they're, if they're secondary and tertiary goals are now making the play-in, tonight is an extremely important game. We'll talk about that. Oh, by the way, you're going to hear from Ryan Poles at the Combine coming up at 11 o'clock. So don't go anywhere. It's the Bernstein and Holmes show here on The Score.
1: Dan Bernstein, Lawrence Holmes, Middays 10 to 2 on 670 The Score and 670thescore.com in Odyssey Station. Our goals for the season are to make the playoffs. Well, initially...
3: The goal for the season, not Jim Boylan's goal, but but AK's goal. What? What are you guys? What are you? What are you guys doing? Just
2: you know, he, who's he playing going going into our segment here? This
3: is uh, Wings. No,
2: the Soundbite.
3: That was Jim Boylan. He's got it
0: out of his stomach. That's Something what i working on.
3: That's what I'm saying. So this is This is Band on the Run Son by up. Paul McCartney and Wings. Yeah, right. He knows what he's doing over there. Well, stupid Mike Rankin. AK initially said they wanted to make the playoffs and win a playoff series. That's where we started. Yes. That's where we started. And and then at the deadline, it was make the playoffs. Does AK think the play-in is the playoffs? I don't know. Because the Bears kind of like, well, uh, we made the playoffs and we got killed by the Saints, but we were in the postseason. Yeah. but So, so like I said, I'm, I'm doing a whole column
2: talking about this for the Sun-Times tomorrow. According to the NBA, the, the play-in is
3: not the play-in. nothing. Right, because if, it's you, nothing. if you don't win the play-in, you're in the lottery, which means you didn't make the playoffs. And none of the statistics count anywhere.
2: Those statistics are not added to your regular season total. Those statistics don't count as playoff statistics. It's it's NBA limbo. Like You're in limbo here. But... Maybe to AK it it still counts as them getting to the postseason? I I don't know. I, I wish that there was a little bit more clarity on that, but you know how it is getting AK to talk on the record about things. It's not
3: he doesn't do it very often. Is Fred Van Vliet back tonight for the Raptors? I don't know. I think he might be because yes, he it, is. It, it, it's trouble. Because remember, they got Jacob Pertle back, too. He's only played six games for them, but he's averaging 14 and 10 in limited time. And, and he's, and always he's given... a problem
2: for them even when he was with Correct. the Spurs.
3: He's given the Bulls all kinds of problems. It does give you an opportunity to play Drummond a little bit if you want. He is but... set,
2: according to reports, he is set to return tonight against all right. the Bulls.
3: Okay, have fun. The, the one thing I'm noticing, too, about their their reliance on Drummond to control the painted area or affect the painted area, they give up so many long rebounds when he's in that they've, they've got to get on the same page. And that second unit has to understand that where it's in your head, oh, the big fella's in, I can leak out because he's going to get the defensive rebound. He, he, this doesn't strike me as a good matchup game for him. Well... If they've got a legit seven footer out there, that would be your opportunity when when Pirtle is in. But in general, this team is just long and quick and spidery, right. which is why and, it
2: doesn't right. seem like the type of game where Andre Drummond no, is going to get a lot of burn.
3: But but I mean, the, Derek Jones Jr. has fallen out of the rotation. They, but this you'd think this would be a night where he's going to have to matter. This because like you would need Javante. The, the, they picked up Terry Taylor. And he was with Windy City for the last game. He's a undersized 6'5 forward, but Where is throws Javonte? his body around. Hurt. They don't, okay. know. They don't know. Just Where, hurt. Where's Dragic? Hurt. When's he playing? Not for a while, I guess. Okay. Where's Lonzo? You know, he's <laughs> he's out.
2: According to the injury report, uh, report, Dragic is expected to be out until at least March 3rd. And Javante Green expected to be out until at least March
0: 15th.
3: Well, and they don't know. And they don't know for sure. They don't even know when he's going to resume Mm -hmm. basketball activities or do anything he's supposed to do. But with Siakam, Van Vliet, Ananobi, Scotty Barnes, Gary Trent, Pirtle, Achua, Boucher. I mean, there's just a lot of bodies that are coming at you in waves with this team. Previously, what they've done to the Bulls is they've essentially played hockey. Where yes. put puck on net? Sometimes puck go in net. They they get it up near the rim and just say if first shot doesn't go in, you know, second, third, just keep coming to the rim, keep flying at the rim, and somebody's going to get a chance.
2: Yeah, they keep going after it, and they're one of those teams. Like early in the year, that you identify and you go, oh, young, hungry, long. That's a problem for this Bulls team. Dan, there was a a quote. Let me find it. I, I wanted I wanted to run it past you here. Uh, it was it was on the Bulls Instagram account. And I thought it was really interesting as it pertains to adding Patrick Beverly to the Bulls and, like, leadership stuff. Here's a quote from DeMar. Where is it? Oh, come on. I can't believe I lost it. Basically, it's the, the equivalent of that guy is easy to follow because of his style. And I'm like, follow?
3: Like, you're DeMar DeRozan. Like yeah, you're you're a thirty-four year old six time all star. Right. You're a guy
2: that's probably going to the Hall of Fame and and there he is talking about Patrick Beverly and his leadership skills. So maybe it adds some maybe it adds something to what Zach was saying about leadership. Here it is. This is here's the quote. He holds everybody accountable to go compete at a high level. When you see a teammate with that mentality, you have to go follow behind it. DeMar DeRozan on Patrick Beverly.
3: Okay. I think he's being nice and and supporting a veteran teammate and and making him feel welcome and, and trying to find nice things to say. I don't think it means that DeMar himself would shy away from leading, but DeMar plays his game. His game is almost at times in a vacuum. Yes. I, I will say he did play he personally has played much better defense the last couple of games. Well defense the Bulls defensively, like they've been good
2: since the calendar turn twenty twenty three. They're
3: gonna have to be real good tonight because you've got to close out under control or this team is going to to lob you and dunk you all, all game. You can't close out on, on roller skates. You can't come leaping out at guys who are just going to go around you and compromise the shape of your defense. You've got to be under control. Pat Bev is really good at that. So I'll ask you the question that I asked
2: Danny during transition yesterday. You're talking about them taking on a team that's kind of in their way as far as the play-in goes. What would be your feeling about the Bulls if they were to make the play-in? How would you feel about it?
3: Right? That's probably appropriate. No, kind of no matter what. We know what they are. We know who they are. If they go on some some crazy 12 out of 15 run here, it might reshape some things. But as of right yeah, now. Yeah, but
2: I don't think that they're, what, seven games out of – or six games out of six. Like I, I, they still can't get to there. So I I, I don't think, even with a, an incredible run and the schedule is kind of soft right now. Yeah,
3: there's seven in the loss column out of sixth. They are one game in the loss column behind Toronto and Washington. Toronto is 30 and 32 ninth. Washington's 28 and 3210th. The Bulls are 28 and 33 11th. Like it's it's
2: just so weird to be talking about this group of guys as an under 500 team that had that long losing streak and then trying to figure out what it is that we should be rooting for as bulls fans the rest of the way. And and are we in a place where we're like, oh well, let's root for the plan? I I I don't know. I don't I don't have a really good answer to this, which is why I felt like I needed to like work through it. Yeah, I was rooting for a bunch of
3: trades at the trade deadline yeah, to, to we give us some that. sense of identity and purpose. But the Bulls don't really have a sense of identity and purpose right now, other than trying to win rather than lose these. Games. One of my
2: fears is where we're at with the Bulls and then making the play in, which I'm not sure AK doesn't think is the playoff or will count as the playoff for him, will reinforce how he feels about how the roster was constructed and he can just go, see, we just needed to drop an everyday point guard into this mix And look, we were a lot closer to being a 500 team instead of being a team that was below 500 by seven games or whatever.
3: That's a reach. So we hear from one head of a Chicago sports organization and we get confused. We hear from another one, and we hear someone who knows he is holding some cards right now. That would be Ryan Poles, who met the media just, uh, what, about an hour and a half ago in Indianapolis. And we will bring back his comments so you can hear what he had to say about where the Bears stand. That's next on Bernstein and Holmes on Sports Radio 670, The Score.